It's Wednesday, September 4th. Welcome to Market Fuller. I'm Chris Hill, joining me in studio today from Million Dollar Portfolio, David Meyer, and from Motley Fool Supernova, Matt Argusinger. Happy Wednesday. Ho, Happy ho, ho. Wednesday. I mean, that, yeah, it's nice when Wednesday just comes just two days into the work week. That's the, that's the beauty of the short work week. So early. Um, we're going to talk Apple and uh, and a couple of bits of news around Apple. We're going to talk about Abercrombie and Fitch and the <laughs> Uh, the style guidelines that have been issued for employees, which um, which are pretty interesting, to say the least. Um, but let's start with LinkedIn, because LinkedIn is down a little bit this morning uh, after the company filed paperwork with the SEC to sell a billion dollars worth of stock in a secondary offering. Uh, Maddie, they say they're going to use the cash for product development, international expansion. Not an overreaction, I think, by the market, and probably worth pointing out that the stock has more than doubled year to date so far. But right. but you actually think people who are selling this off are making a mistake? I think so because I think this is a great capital allocation move by LinkedIn. I mean, there's listen, there's no better time to raise money when you don't need it and your stock is near an all time high. I mean, and and so many companies don't do it, and I'm gr- I'm really happy to see LinkedIn doing it because right, they I mean they they don't need the cash. Their balance sheet is in great ca- um, shape. They have something like 800, 800 million in, in uh, net cash. They made something like two hundred and fifty million in free cash flow over the last twelve months. They don't need the money, but that's why you raise the capital. It's very favorable. Their stocks an all time high. You know, their their R and D run rate per quarter is now about a hundred million. There was some rumors this morning about them uh, being interested in buying a um, a business social network in uh, Germany, I believe, called Zing. Don't know anything about that, but so there's reasons for them to have capital. But I'm glad they're doing it. It's it's a great capital allocation move. Yeah, I think the other reason that they can do it is because they probably have many more projects than they do even the capital that they have today. So this is a business that has just a tremendous amount of reinvestment opportunities, whether or not it's new products through R&D, acquisitions, uh, or you know who, who, who else knows what's being dreamt up, uh, dreamt up on the LinkedIn campus. So secondary offerings, I mean, I think that for some people, there is a tendency to look at secondary offerings just across the board as a slight negative because it's, it means dilution of stock. That's right. But is this one of those situations where essentially you want to say to investors, you know what? Look at the context, and by context, I mean look at the company. So I got to I got to take the first the first thing that there's uh, we have to be a little bit careful about saying there's dilution. There's only dilution if the money doesn't create value for shareholders. So if they take this money and reinvest it, and it does good, then this is exactly what shareholders want. Right, and yeah, and, I, and so I, I understand why investors automatically think, well, it's it's diluting me. It's a, as a shareholder, but you're right. That, uh, Dave Dave's point is excellent. I mean, if they, they're going to raise a billion dollars here, and if that billion, if they can. Get the kinds of returns on invested capital they've been getting on that <laughs> right. billion. I mean, that's it's a huge win. And you know, um, just a little history lesson. There's a there's a great investor that um, named Henry Singleton. Warren Buffett brought him up a lot. He, he's not very well known because he, he died a long time ago. But he he ran a company called Teledyne, which was a corporation, and he, they they were famous for doing this. They'd always raise um, issue shares when this, when Teledyne stock was high, buy back a ton of stock when um, shares were low, and he did this all the time. And and I think Teledyne stock, I, I, this could be an exaggeration, but I think it went up 300x in the time that he was managing Teledyne from the early 60s to like the mid 80s. So wow. just that's an idea. If you want another uh, 
a good example of a good capital allocator with regard to shares, as well as someone who's very entertaining, Steve Wynn. <laughs> this guy will tell you exactly when you're, you know, you're darn right I'm selling stock. It's at an all-time high. You're darn right I'm buying it back. It's cheap. These Some people get it. Many CEOs don't. Right. When you look at the size of LinkedIn, which right now the market cap is around $27 billion, making it roughly one-fourth the size of Facebook, how much more does this company have in terms of room to run? I mean, it seems like, on the one hand, just comparing it to Facebook, hey, look, the notion of LinkedIn doubling in size over the next, say, three years, pick your time frame, whatever, three years, five years, that doesn't strike me as absurd. At the same time, when I look backwards, and I know we're not supposed to look back, (laughs) but when I look backwards at the run of the stock, I just think, my gosh, how much hotter can this thing get before it implodes? So uh, what you, one of the things that comes to mind when you say that is um, a quote from... Chris is an idiot. No. no. Well, <laughs> well, that's what I, I was thinking. I wasn't going to say that on air. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, it was a quote from David Gardner about Amazon.com and the original write-up. And Matt will make sure I get this right. But I believe he said, what if they sell more than books? Yep. And that's exactly what right. if LinkedIn does much more for the economy than just try to get human capital into the right positions. I think that's the thing that people will are that's the thing that people will underestimate and when you look backwards you'll go, "Oh, yeah, of course I knew that." Right. No, we we don't. It has tremendous growth options ahead of it. Yeah, that is and it is uh, you know, as uh, one who was around at the time when Amazon first started out, it's like, "Oh yeah, they sell books." Yeah, you know, who cares? And, and but now, now when you look at it, it's almost it's almost quaint the notion that at one time the <laughs> only thing Amazon sold was, was books. books. Totally. Um, Apple is in the news because they confirmed what had been widely reported um, without the company's official confirmation, which is that uh, next week, September tenth, uh, Apple will be hosting a media event. They are expected to unveil the iPhone 5S uh, and the iPhone 5C, which is the the much-rumored low-cost iPhone. Um, But one of the things – I'm curious to get your thoughts on this, guys. Uh, One of the things that's being reported for the 5S is not just, you know, hey, faster processor and better camera and all that stuff, but possibly a fingerprint reader. that's one of those things that seems <laughs> seems like a neat little bell and whistle, but I don't know that that necessarily makes for a game changer. I don't know. I'll, I'll start. <laughs> I, you know, it, on the one hand, I think it sounds exciting. On the one hand, do I want my fingerprint to be available? <laughs> yeah. I, I don't think – I don't think – I'm sure Apple would and any company would – make sure that that type of data is in is encrypted and not available but you still have to wonder right <laughs> what if my fingerprint gets out right just a little thing I, I will say i do think it would be pretty cool to you know have that as your password yeah it's a it's a neat it, sure it's an it's an addition i mean if i have if i can do that as opposed to entering my my four digit pin to access my phone well yeah why not but I think the, 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 real, the real news, and I think they followed up with this, was that the day after this September 10th, uh, they're, they're actually hosting an event in China. And you know, it's been long rumored for a long time that China Mobile, the one, you know, the one major global carrier that they don't have, um, right. is, is going to be on board now that they have sort of this iPhone 5C, which is 
sort of rumored to be the more affordable right. uh, international iPhone. So, I mean, you know, China Mobile's got 740 million phone users. I mean, that's, it's a huge. I mean, it's, it's not only the biggest in China, it's the biggest mobile um, operator in the, in the world. And so if, if, that, if that comes to pass uh, next week as well, that's, that's huge. So, I, well, I, I hesitate to do this, but I'm going to go ahead and do it anyway. Okay. Um, could, if, imagine Apple... You know, come, it's rumored that they're coming out with the 5C, the cheaper alternative. Is the C stand for cheap, by the way? Is that it? iPhone 5C? I, I, you know, I, I don't know. Gosh, what I hope not. <laughs> I don't think I'm your sure, marketing sure exactly. That's a that. horrible marketing decision. <laughs> it's better than the fingerprint. No, no. Um, but let's say it comes out and it's a blockbuster mm-hmm. with, you know, along with the Ch- uh, China mobile deal. And again, speculation at this point, we don't know. Think about how poor the timing of the Microsoft Nokia going after a lower lower priced phones, uh, offering lower priced phones into the smartphone market will be. I mean, you just can't you just, let it go. It, you can't let Microsoft I, Nokia. I can't, go. I, can't, I can't let that go. That <laughs> if if this happens and it turns out to be a hit. I mean, Microsoft is just going to go, what the heck can we do? <laughs> we can't catch a break. That's true. Well, it is, it is something that's been debated for a while, sort of the, the two sides of this coin where you have some people saying, look, it would be a mistake for Apple to go after the low end of the smartphone market because so much of Apple's appeal is tied up in the brand mm-hmm. and the luxury and the look and the, all, everything that has made Apple what it is today. But on the other hand, the market opportunity, I mean, to your mm. point, Maddie, the market opportunity of just 740 million <laughs> customers alone, that's, that's got to be, I mean, if, if they go down this road, it's just got to be because at the end of the day, the market opportunity was way too big for them to pass up. Right. And, and something Dave and I have talked a lot about. I mean, the phone, we don't know what the iPhone 5C is going to look like, obviously, but... Apple will get it right, and they also have one of the best operating systems, probably the best operating system out there as well. So by controlling the software experience as well, they can create a great experience for all of these um, new uh, subscribers, even if it's on a, a you know a less sophisticated phone. And they have the uh, the ecosystem, the, all the apps that will be able to run you know on the on the new phone. I mean, yeah, th- I mean, just think about how many tens of millions more people are using iTunes. I mean, for example, it's exactly. just it's it's so much more than a phone. What do you think and I'm I'm stepping back from Apple and let's widen the lens and think about companies like Samsung and Microsoft and other Google as well when it comes to new devices and so much uh, this past 12 months or so uh, the new device that's being debated is or, or, or rumored and reported is the wristwatch, the wearable technology, that sort of thing. As a general rule of thumb, do you think it's better for a company to be first into the space? Uh, if you're Samsung, are, do you want to be the first on the block to offer the wearable technology? Because on the other side, you've got Apple, which is almost never the first mover in its space. It did not have the first MP3 player, but the iPod is now ubiquitous. Uh, what would you, what is the better strategy here? Yeah, no, I, I think that's a great point. I mean, they also didn't have the first smartphone. Obviously, right. BlackBerry for, for years kind of dominated that. I, 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 yeah, I would say I would say the the second mover. Is a good position to be in. We just have to be careful. I mean, I, I go back to the the David Gardner acronym, which is um, 
innovators, imitators, and idiots. Yeah. You know, we, we don't want, we, you know, we don't want Apple to be the imitator, the, the one that, you know, we don't want Samsung, I mean, if you're an Apple shareholder, you don't want Samsung sort of define the space and define the brand and, and the bar, set the bar, and then Apple's kind of, as Microsoft does, flail to try to hit the bar. Um, but at the same time, I think Apple is Apple's just got such a history of getting things right. And I don't see, I, if they were second to this space, I'd, I'd be fine with it. Yeah, I think um, I think it depends on how you're how you're entering the market. If you're entering the market with um, a differentiated product, I think you have a better chance than if you have a product that has is a me too. And is competing on price, um, but that said, I think you're right. I think the data is split. You know, sometimes being the first mover is the right way. Sometimes being the close second is the better way. Speaking of companies getting things right, uh, Aber- <laughs> Abercrombie and Fitch, um, the same store sales for the year so far down twelve percent, but. I think they've got something. I think they've hit upon something that's going <laughs> to really reverse our trend. things around. Um, I have to give credit to BuzzFeed, uh, which um, uh, got a hold of, I guess, an internal memo or a, really a guidebook, I suppose, for employees at Abercrombie. And Abercrombie, it's worth pointing out, did not uh, officially comment uh, on this story. But BuzzFeed got a hold of... But we will. But we will. Um <laughs> Uh, the official hairstyle guidelines for employees at Abercrombie and Fitch, and I think what I'm going to have to do is is take a photo of this and just put it out on the Market Foolery Twitter feed because uh, the visual is uh, certainly entertaining. <laughs> but basically, they've got two broad categories here of what's acceptable and what's unacceptable. And uh, as I've, uh, as longtime listeners know, I really know nothing about style or fashion, <laughs> but it seems to be somewhat arbitrary here that what is accept versus what is acceptable versus what is unacceptable. Uh, and Dave, we were talking before we started taping. One of the things that is, you know, so here's what's acceptable: um, uh, highlights that are sun-kissed and uh, subtle and so, highlighting yeah. with complementary shading, natural-looking color variations. Um, what's unacceptable, bleaching method that appears unnatural, high contrast, and the one that you hit upon, Dave, which is two-tone color. Two-tone color is unacceptable if you work at an Abercrombie. So I'm two-tone, and I'm natural. Right. So, you know, with the grays going against (laughs) the browns in my hair. Yeah. So am I acceptable or not? Again, it's natural. But it is high contrast, I so I don't know if I'm going to get well, it's like, a job. I, I'm thinking of, I'm thinking of the, the the touch of gray commercials, <laughs> <laughs> and you know, it's just like yeah, Dave's got the perfect touch of gray. You know, it's just perfect. It's just like you know, but I, I don't think you'd make the cut. I'm I sorry, think, I, think, I wouldn't make the cut. I, I mean, think I'm only in uh, the only place I can get hired is banking, right? Don't don't, <laughs> don't the best bankers go gray early? Uh, yeah, I mean, you look at Jamie Dimon, as we've often said, yep. fantastic oh, head of I'd, hair on <laughs> Jamie Dimon. If I had that head of hair, I don't care what color it is. If I have that, <laughs> When I'm whatever he is, fifty. Um, so. Yeah, I guess. I guess again, just from an investing standpoint, I, I look at Abercrombie and Fitch, and and we've talked about this about companies across a range of industries. But when the narrative for your business is not really about your business, and it's sort of these side <laughs> stories, these distractions, I just think that from a stock standpoint, I want nothing to. It's you know, it's not just that Abercrombie and Fitch 
is in fashion retail, which is a space that I have no interest in. But just the more I see companies that have to deal with these distractions, these these. Uh, you know, this is why Abercrombie and Fitch is in the headlines today. It's not; it has nothing <laughs> yeah. to do with the efficiency of their business, right. the fact that products are rolling off the shelves, that same store sales are rising. No, it's because oh. people like us are making Hold fun on. of their Hold hair, on. hairstyle handbook. I have a conspiracy theory. Okay, maybe marketing wants to take the focus off of the financials. Yeah, they and this mm-hmm. is the way to do it. It could Good be. Call. It could be. Hey, here's one way to get them to talk <laughs> to stop talking about declining same store sales. Right. Throw them our hairstyle handbook. Uh, drop us an email, radio at fool dot com, and you can also follow us on Twitter at marketfoolery. And yes, I will uh, head out of the studio and put this out on Twitter. Matt Argusinger, David Meyer, guys, thanks for being here. Thank you. As always, people on the program may have interest in the stocks they talk about, and the Motley Fool may have formal recommendations for or against. So don't buy or sell stocks based solely on what you hear. That's it for this edition of Market Foolery. Behind the glass helping us out today, and Henry making the technology work. I'm Chris Hill. Thanks for listening, and we will see you tomorrow. Tomorrow.